0: To the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so that you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Podcast. With me today I've got a special guest. Someone who is what I'd say the queen of Outback Australia, teaching online to numerous towns in her area. Someone who is the very first Guitar Ninja licensee and somebody who's doing wonderful things with her students, who tells me she's just a music teacher, not an entrepreneur yet, although she has a few ideas. And that is Vanessa Munns from Mrs. Munns Music. Vanessa, welcome to the Top Music Guitar Podcast.
1: Hi Michael, it's great to be on. I'm sort of absolutely nervous about doing this because I'm putting myself out there for a change. Oh my God.
0: (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. And you know, this is probably the first time we've had someone from within the Top Music community other than Tim or myself interviewing each other on the podcast. I thought it would be just great to get one of our members who's not just been in the guitar program, but Top Music uh, in general but nevertheless you've also branched out and have you know explored um, some of my programs in Guitar Ninjas you've also you know got involved with a number of other people through the Top Music Network and I think that's absolutely fantastic and just as a means of saying thank you and not just as a means of saying thank you because you are doing some wonderful things but thank you nevertheless for all the wonderful stuff you do why don't you tell us a little bit about it and give those of uh listeners we have here who don't know you as well a, a brief overview of your story so far.
1: Okay, so I was a born and bred Canberran, so I grew up in the ACT, so the Australian Capital Territory of Australia. I was really fortunate enough to be actually learning music from the age of four, doing piano, and then as I progressed um, in the um, primary school system, I was really fortunate enough to be identified, um, to go as a talented talented musician to... um, Get uh, participate in the school bands program. So in year four, so I was a percussionist. I really wanted to do trumpet, but wasn't able to do that. So I was doing percussion. I actually also started doing flute at that stage. And then by the end, so I got involved in um, the um, ACT Junior Military Band. So I was a top percussionist in year six for the ACT. And then um, in year seven, when we went to high school, Yep, learnt the violin. They had a taste of course in violin and, yep, I went from there. Still had piano in the background and so, yeah, got involved with the um, Canberra Youth Orchestra Society um, in Year 8 um, and so went from there and was offered a scholarship to learn the viola in Year tw- 11. Um, so I was doing that So and sort of doing orchestral stuff, started getting involved in um musicals and being in a pig orchestra which I love Gilbert and Sutherland stuff was fun to do with a viola player so yeah, I was doing a lot of stuff like that then um I made a decision uh, at the end of year 12 that I was actually going to follow my dream to be a scientist I was always going to be a plant biochemist and that's what I did so in my at ANU Australian National University I um did my science degree but as part of it i was actually able to do um, a whole pile of music history and theory so i could never quite leave it alone as music's always been part of my life so um how i ended up in western australia in the small town of beacon oh my goodness well when I finished my degree, my first-class honours, um, my mentor for science, um, he moved over to become the head of biochemistry at UWA. And so I decided, oh, I'll go to WA. I've always wanted to live in Perth. Let's have a go. Let's see what's going to happen. And then I met my 2B husband who was playing the guitar. Um, and I thought, yes, he's got a lot of confidence, more confidence than I had to get up and play and just just be out there um that was my first recollection of him and um so yeah he we got together he taught me all he knew about guitar in one session obviously having a a huge amount of theoretical and playing ability yeah he was slightly a little bit bummed because he couldn't show off much after that (laughs) but we started playing together so we and then and then we have all and stuff like that and he actually finished off his PhD as a neurobiochemist, and um, ended up going. I'm burnt out. I want to go home. His hometown was Beacon, in three and a half hours northeast of Perth, with about three hundred people in it. And so, yeah, we moved, and um, then um, sort of, yeah, people heard that I would I could play. So would I teach piano? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I can do that. I can teach guitar. That's not too much of an issue. I actually had done some teaching when I was um, in Canberra, sort of I got to, because of my theoretical background, my viola teacher went, oh, can you teach these little seven year olds theory? I'm like, okay, so start off with a group of six, seven year olds teaching music theory. My piano teacher went, you need to start teaching piano because you need to work out what you're doing wrong yourself in your own playing. So that was my introduction to teaching. But the majority of my teaching has been in the wheat belt, and um, yes, yeah, so we started there. Overnight, I had thirteen students in the small town of Beacon, and then that was all right. You just tick along, go that this is this is pretty good. Um, I was working as an, a bookkeeper, and then um, a drought hit, and I lost all my students because when there's a drought, there's not much money. Okay. So that was one of those things I went, Oh, it's still not a secure job. I'm not going to be able to do too much with that. So I fortunately had my kids. And then when my youngest was about two, I got approached by another, by school in a neighboring town, 81 K's away. Would you come over and teach music, like, um, private lessons to these students who would want to do it? I went, Oh, okay. Well, yes, because you've got daycare. Daycare was a big, big um, influence for me. And so, yeah, did it. So I basically had 12 students for one whole day from 8.30 through to um, 3.30. And that was the first term. And then the next term went to a second day. So I doubled in my numbers just like that. And then I was I was quite happy ticking along. Just And then another school approached. All of a sudden I've got another 10 students. And then by 2018 I had... Three schools, five days of full-on teaching, and I went through, oh, my goodness, I can't teach the way I need to teach. My brain's going, there's more to this. I need to stimulate me because I'm not doing the best I need to do for these kids. And so that started the ball rolling, me getting online, finding top music and just going, bang. Um, So, yeah, and then I sort of got one of, I applied for one of the, um, B sort of um, tickets for piano pivot and that was probably going to piano pivot was probably the biggest turning point for me um, one I actually sat down right at the back I know you were at the front Michael <laughs> um, I was <laughs> yes. right at the back going nobody talked to me oh, I'm just a little little piano teacher out in the back of the whoop, whoop. I, I I I don't feel like, don't feel like I belong I'll just stand up, up here. But by the end of it, I don't know if you remember, there was a, a, a lawyer that decided that she was going to give being a lawyer away and become a full-time piano teacher. She was actually sitting next to me. She didn't speak much at all, but I was just thinking, oh, my God, I didn't realize she was a, a, um, a lawyer. But we're all in that same place going, I think most of us just went, oh, we want to actually really make a good, decent go of it. And so I came back with with that i sat on the plane blah 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 okay okay yeah i've got to do this and i had a list of people which i needed to contact and one of them was you because i thought michael's there he's a guitar teacher i need to go and talk to him to work out what i need to do with my guitar teacher because he's obviously here because he's got the same mindset i can work with that so got back and the first week my whole teaching model was just thrown up in the air not because of covid but because the um, state government decided there was no more private music lessons during school time was going to happen because they wanted an equitable, equitable education across the board. So overnight I had to change. I had to pivot. And then, I mean, there was a couple of days where I was just like comatose and going, what the hell? I've just decided to really put my effort into this and I've got to, how am I going to do this? silly enough I'd already had all my ideas sorted before I even got home on the day that I'd been told no more and I was like we had like, like the principals at the school were absolutely furious with it because they knew what benefit I was bringing to the their schools so I pivoted massively I had five students that couldn't even couldn't do after school at the the schools because the schools were allowing me to use their premises still to teach which was good because that for me was a zero outlay other than driving there Um, but they couldn't because they lived an hour and a half out of town so that the the driving to and from just not couldn't happen so I had heard about these online lessons um, at Piano Pivot and I went well ring them up got this idea I don't know how it's going to work. Would you be my guinea pigs? And the answer was yes. Let's do it. So before COVID shut down, I was already trialing these um, online lessons, and and it's sort of like it was me meandering along and going, yep, okay. There's some things that are not working. And then obviously the shutdown happened, and basically I had prepared all my students. I communicated that when we go down to lockdowns. We're all going online. Make sure you have your, all your your technology, your Zoom or phones ready to go. So overnight, so when I made pulled the pin and went, we're going online. I went fifty students online in what overnight, and that was when I really started to learn what could work and what couldn't what couldn't work. And after the first week of just going, holy cow, and having a nice glass of wine at the end of it. I sat back and just went, hmm, this is a bit of a game changer. It's a game changer for me as a remote teacher or a teacher who is living remotely because I'm no longer stuck to uh, the the towns that I'm um, dealing with like individually because their population is, is it's going small, getting smaller and smaller because our local school's got maybe 20, another local primary school, 20 kids, 20 kids, the high school that's local, 81Ks away, maybe 81. So all of a sudden my brain just went, oh, how am I going to deal with this? So part of me expanding what I did as a music teacher was that I was getting kids at 7, 8 or 9. So generally when parents deem their kids um, suitable to learn a musical instrument. And what I was finding is that in remote areas, the music education that they have in school is quite hit and miss. So I was getting kids at sort of 10 who couldn't keep a beat, who couldn't clap a simple beat, or who had interesting fine motor skills Um, issues which you go oh this is going to make it difficult for you to get those gains that one needs to actually be able to be successful and feel successful in playing so at Piano Pivot I got to meet um, Paul Meyer and Gillian Erskine and I had a really good chat with them as well and with that I was offered a the Forte a school of music outreach scholarship for doing the, their jungle music so their early music um, development um, program which means that I'm now developing my students in my my funnel from the ages of one through to four and I'm that I'm hoping that they translate into students going starting musical tuition properly at five and six so they just funnel in and keeps my face-to-face sort of momentum going. And to see them thrive, I mean, when you get an 18-month-old who all of a sudden picks up some bells and starts shaking their bells and their whole body in time to music, I mean, that's that's gold. And, um, yeah, it, it has been a big learning curve, um, to say the least, to be actually able to put myself out there and say, Hang on this is what I'm doing. I'm no longer sort of hiding behind my little wall going, "Oh, I'm just a little music teacher." I I'm doing some some stuff which is so beneficial for my community and for kids' lives in the lo- in the their long-term schooling. That's where I'm Yeah. <laughs> Did I cover everything?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we did cover everything there. So, yeah, such an amazing story to go from one side of Australia to the literal opposite side of Australia and, uh, yeah. and then to go back into, you know, retreat from a city back into the, uh, the outback uh, to a yeah. town of 300 people and to, yeah, have a have to draw your students from a pool of, you know, neighbouring towns up to 80 kilometres. I guess that's about 40 miles if I'm doing it right, 36, 35, 40 miles. Um, so a huge distance for people to be covering or you know, for you to be driving to work every single day. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And obviously, you know, a big part of this is that preempting the online model before COVID. So, you know, with the whole COVID-19 lockdown situation, how did that impact you? Did it force more people into online learning or does it, was it just like, you know, business as usual for you?
1: Um... As in, for me, as a music teacher, I was fully online for a term um, with everybody, and then the because being rural WA, we had our internal borders, and we probably only had one lockdown in the whole entire time for, for COVID over here. Whereas, say Perth area and the south of Perth had a, quite a few more. Um, so the impact from my from my studio is that. All of a sudden I became a hybrid teaching model, half online, half face-to-face. There are those people or students who prefer to have the face-to-face but I can see if we, well, if I develop my teaching skills for teaching beginners online right from the very go that it actually opens up the world of for for me to be able to have a, a nice stream coming in. So... I didn't lose students; I gained students, which was like, really? How did that happen? And so I gained students from Perth. I've gained students from down south. I've now got a student who's sixteen hundred k's north of me, up on the coast of Top WA. So um, yeah, it's just the mo- what limits me is my own ability to get out there to teach, and that's always been the way. My limitations has always been me and what I've been willing to do. So, yeah,
0: it's amazing to hear that, you know, you've grown during lockdown and, you know, for the vast majority of music teachers, almost like 90% of who I speak to, they all suffered or they, you know, dropped their numbers significantly. So, to grow, that's, you know, an amazing feat in and of itself. And also great to hear, you you know, acknowledge that, yeah, the limitations start with me. And that's something that, you know, a lot of business owners, you know, don't want to hear or don't want to admit or, or don't even realise because sometimes it's a subconscious thing but, you know, the, they are the limit or the, the lid and they can't go beyond their own development unless they're willing to acknowledge that, hey, they've got areas that need improvement. Um,
1: yeah. I, I, I guess yeah. that I was going to say from my point of view, I've always, when I approach something, it's going, okay, I know I can do it, just have a go that's been my approach to everything someone tells me no you can't do that and i've had that it's sort of like i've had someone say oh no you can't teach music online i'm thinking yeah you can it's it's how you think about it you've got to come from it from a different point of view come from a different angle try something else out don't just go no so that's that's my philosophy of life just give it a go jump in see what happens
0: 100 you know what's the worst that happens if it didn't didn't work out it didn't work out you just go back to doing what you're doing or try the next thing so yeah yeah, really great stuff and for other teachers you know who are in a similar situation to you where they're in a rural town or you know um, country areas where there's you know a big distance between uh, where they are and where the students are what are some things they can do to reach new leads and new clients or grow their businesses?
1: So, at the moment, I've been focusing on my Instagram and Facebook accounts and consistently posting almost daily just little snippets of what I'm doing with my students. Or if I'm trying something out today, I've actually tried a looping pedal. It was a complete debacle of noise coming out and going, What am I doing? But I've still posted it because it's sort of like I'm showing my my audience, my parents that hang on there's technology happening I'm trying something different, or oh, this could be interesting for my kid to learn, so it's not straightforward or I'm showing a student who has tr- struggled to get their coordination going, finally getting something and making a celebration out of it, So yes, you've done it, and you actually gain your target audience by targeting those parents go this person really cares about their student this person wants them to develop and it doesn't matter if they're not deemed talented and that's probably a word I don't like using I don't like hearing um because I got sent a teacher sent me an email one day of how to identify talented musicians I actually took real offence to that and it took me a while to actually work out why i took offence to it and it's sort of a case of just going well no music is not necess- it's not about talent it's about dedication to practice or doing the repetition but it's actually about teaching the muscles in the body how to work together how are you going to become a talented football player if you're not practicing the kicking so or if you get told, oh, you're not good, no good at singing. And I was one of those music students who got told you shouldn't sing. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I am very, very uncomfortable when I sing. And so when I, I did an um, open mic night as part of a um, sip and strum series I was doing with some adults during COVID out here, and I put the ad out and then all of a sudden I just went, hang on, I I, I could be the only one there. I'm going to have to do a set of, of playing and singing for an hour if nobody turns up okay my goodness gracious me Let's get to some serious practicing and singing and having my husband going, now you going got to sing it like Paul Kelly. I'm going, no, I don't. I'm not Paul Kelly. Um, and so, um, so getting up and doing that, I put myself on the edge of my comfort zone, well, actually probably a good foot over it and put myself out there. And I learnt so much about that, but then I had all these other people who got such a buzz out of actually getting up and having a go. Even though they were not professional musicians, they didn't think they were good enough, the actual vibe of the night is I wanted to do it again the next week. I'm just going, just let me get over my own self and my own nerves because I am dying. <laughs> yep. But it's, I think for me just, I just I put myself out there now and just say music is just for playing, let's just. We don't need to be perfect. We don't need to be like the radio. We're not the radio. Let's just do communal music for the sake of it, and that's that's the vibe I'm getting with my Instagram and Facebook. I'll get back there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's there's a lot of stuff came out just then. So let's go back and unpack a few things. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think it was very interesting that you you know point out or take offence to how do you find a talented musician? Because it's really you know talent is the end result talent is mm. you know the reward for all the hard work and dedication and hours that you put in so anyone who's a talented um you know musician at a young age like i remember they used to come around to our schools and get us all to sing and then pick out people for the whatever the youth choir or things like that and obviously yeah. there's a few naturally gifted singers or people with great voices but the vast majority of people with no formal singing training you know how are they going to have any idea how to yeah to sing properly apart from the ones that do have a natural gift and should they, yeah. you know, take, instead of taking one kid from every school, if they took ten kids from every school and gave them the training, would nine of those ten kids outperform the, you know, the naturally talented ones over the long term had they given been given the right training? So, yeah, I think that's a, a very valuable point to bring to attention.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's something that really rubbed me in the wrong way because I just thought, no, these kids really... The kids that I get to teach, and I'm so grateful for the parents to actually um, send their kids to me, is I want them to succeed. I'm looking at them going, okay, let's go from a mechanical point of view. Okay, what's going on? Oh, your brain's not communicating. Your left hand and right hand's not communicating just yet. That's all right. We'll just try something else. Let's go from a different point point. Let's try it this way or try it that way. To help them realize that, hang on, I'm at this stage. That's fine. I'm not bad. I'm enjoying myself. I'm playing along, um, and giving them those sense that sense of um, accomplishment, and um, part of, yeah, that the ones that I really feel strongly about. I mean, I've got I've started a few kids who are on the spectrum online, and sort of like one of them in particular. Uh, it took me probably a good 3 to 4 months working with the family to get the kid to be comfortable and for him to trust me and i think that when they the child gives you their trust um to actually the, uh, those ones on the spectrum give you the trust you've got to do a lot more to actually help them gain the skills and so by the end of that first year cuz he was my first fully online student yeah, mum mentioned to a music teacher at school um, that he was doing piano lessons and then all of a sudden the music teacher sort of took notice and go, oh, okay, we'll, we'll test him. So he's now in a, a band program doing trumpet. And that's sort of like up until that point he wasn't given the time of day because he wasn't deemed behaviourally to be part of that. And then I, I, I feel really sad for those ones who are relying on School teachers, well, the the school education system to teach their kid music that they actually cut them off. I've got had one guitar student; she missed out on doing the guitar program by one lousy point, and her self confidence is really low. And I was just going, "This is not what you need." If a child wants to learn, shouldn't we just give them an instrument and just see how they go? That's one hundred
0: (laughs) percent. And again, like you know, there is definitely. A place for meritocracy and saying okay you need to be this good to go into this program but everyone you know given another week of practice or another six months worth of training or lessons can get to that point where they are good enough to go in so yeah depending on on where the program is but you know how many people sign up for programs like that and drop off versus how many you know miss out by that much and want to go into it so now i totally understand your frustration there (laughs) (laughs) Those of you listening and not watching, Vanessa's, you know, making her fists, shaking, (laughs) giving (laughs) us the angry fist. Now, you mentioned before your your sip and strum session. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about those, how you set them up and and what the student response is?
1: Okay, so the sip and strum was basically... I was wanting to get um, some adults. So I had a couple of adults mention to me that they've got a guitar sitting in their lounge room, bedroom, gathering dust and they've always wanted to learn it. And so it's sort of a case of I'd seen somewhere online someone was doing stuff in pubs. I said, oh, geez, I like a club. It needs a little bit bit of a boost and stuff like that. So with COVID, when we didn't have sport happening, um, I just went, how about on a Friday night, let's come and – Play some guitar. Learn how to do the basics. So, and I said it doesn't matter what level. So I've had got it was a whole like there was fourteen of us on most days, and um, some of them could play, um, and then others that had no knowledge whatsoever. So we just started off doing. Okay, let's hold the guitar. Let's strum an E minor chord. And it's sort of like then you start learning. It's sort of like, oh, adults, yep, they have a few little quirks and stuff like that, and self doubt. And um, but alcohol does make a little bit of a difference for those ones. <laughs> And so, yeah, yep. Yeah. And as the time goes on, we, we, um, did, uh, these booths were made for walking. So, a nice little three chord song, basically, and that, and we performed that one. So, that was pretty cool as a group. Um, and then, yeah, sort of teaching palm muting, and that got a couple of others going, Oh, I can do this. I'm cutting the videos and stuff like that. But it was just having a group of people different-minded people who all just came together and could just talk to each other and go or they'll go how do you do this or how do you do that and it was just something because I I started it said it was eight weeks and then we ended up with an open mic night and because I thought we've got to have get something out this uh, out of this and um yeah so it was sort of a case of certainly learning how to deal with adults, certainly going, okay, there's more than I need to know about teaching beginner guitars because coming to the guitar from my point of view, I had a wealth of knowledge of piano and violin and viola. Okay, I'm going to approach it sort of like that. Maybe not necessarily the, the right idea um, but it certainly opened my idea, my eyes of what could be achieved with adult um, students um, so um, so the benefit of that is that, I mean, I had one lady, she wouldn't move a, move her left hand at all. She would just drum along and just sing and bring up a song and she would just say, that's crap, don't want to sing it. <laughs> you'd be going, oh, my goodness, okay, well, we're going to still do it. Let's keep going from there. Um, but it is probably the, the happy endorphins that these people all received. I had one bloke. Who could seriously play, but first night he's he's there, he's like a deer in headlights. And it's like my husband was helping me out, and he goes, I, I think he's about to bolt, he, he's not comfortable. <laughs> it was like, seriously, like we just went okay. And then, um, as the weeks progressed, uh, he probably only came to half long, well, probably five out of the eight. And um, yeah, you could see him getting comfortable and, and relaxed, so it's sort of like you need. Have an environment where adults can be uh, feel relaxed and to be able to show people in a relaxed environment what they can do. And he could seriously play. I mean, he was doing Ed Sheeran with all all kinds of different things. And I was just like, okay, I could probably learn a bit off you myself. But him as a performer, yeah, he needed support with that. So, but just seeing how everybody sort of worked with each other at their own levels and, and, oh, I can do this now or, yeah, still working on that, my fingers are my fingers are too flat and I'm just going, well, oh, too fat, not flat, can't get my the A shape with three fingers so let's ad- adapt or, or stuff like that. And I just think it's probably getting that communal playing back into society will probably have such a much more beneficial um, sort of feels for for that the mental health of people these days I think we've focused a lot of music is so focused on becoming like what we hear on radio that we forget that the the emotional development and the um, psychological development that you get playing in a group at whatever level has much more benefit than just listening
0: 100 percent. and I think so many people just overlook how much more fun guitar is when you can sing along and and even if you by yourself if you're singing and playing and you're going through yeah. a couple of favorite songs whether you got a beer <laughs> and a few yeah. a few good times a few things to make the, the good times even better like um on your own it could be really wonderful or yeah. playing with another person is you know a really magical experience if anything we learned from lockdowns is you know how lonely and isolated a lot of people were feeling and i think mm. you know learning from youtube learning online and then just being stuck in your bedroom playing and practicing really deprived a lot of people of that connection that they get with other people and it's a completely different side of music and music education. And you know that that's even, you know, further solidified through just a private lesson format. But to have people like you've got coming together for the first time Playing, you know, with each other or alongside each other, and experiencing you know a number of different feelings, like being nervous around people, being nervous, um, you know, and feeling insecure about their singing or their playing. Um, but then realizing that you know everyone else is in the same boat together, and they're all collectively working towards something. Um, you know, creates a magical experience and helps them grow. As you said before, being on the edge of your comfort zone. If we're getting our students on the edge of their comfort zone, not throwing in the deep end and you know overwhelming them but just gradually exposing them to being in a room with other people and then singing in front of other people and then putting an audience Mm. there, you know, it gradually builds on their discomforts until the, you know, uncomfortable things become comfortable and normalised and then you can go out and build from there.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's one of the things that when when I'm teaching my little ones, I know I've just recently posted a a post on our um, Guitar Ninja um, website just saying, yep, if you've got a little student that won't sing, add a kazoo and you get them vocalizing. And I think that is probably one thing that I've learned recently is we've got to give these kids their voices or give anybody their voice to be comfortable to to love their voice. I know I'm going to listen back to this this um podcast and go, oh my god, that's my voice. Okay. <laughs> oh dear. Um but we have to accept that our voices are us. And so let's do it while they're young. Let's let's get them vocalising. Let's get them developing those vocal cords and vocal muscles earlier on so they are well and truly on the way to understanding um, how to perform without being worried about what's going to happen, if a note's going to come out or not.
0: That's it. I think you really hit the nail on the head there saying, you know, your voice is you. And so many people are self-conscious about their voices or not sounding good. And I'm the first one to admit that, you know, I don't have the best sounding voice when I'm singing. But it's like, I don't care. I'm having fun. Um, you know, I would always do backing vocals over the lead vocals if there's someone else who can do a better job. But I get up, have fun. I sing at the student concerts. To make the songs, you know, more holistic and they often, even though I'm not the best singer, it's not ruining the song. It's uh, making it seem that much better and, and being that example for my students to say, hey, you know, mm. uh, I, I've taken lessons in the past. I still need a few more <laughs> before things <laughs> yeah. are perfect. Um, yeah. Or, you know, no such thing as perfect. It's always a work in progress. But yeah, just saying, guys, if you can use your voice more, that helps you develop your inner in- ear. And when you're in your ear yeah. is developed and it connects to your fingers and what you hear in your head, that's how you can be more expressive on the instrument. That's how you can improvise and have what you're hearing come out in the actual music that you're playing. And that's how, you know, you discover new things by not being afraid to, you know, push the boundaries or sing or, or voice. And yeah, the, the more you can use your voice and connect it to your ear, the more musical you're playing and practicing is going to be. Because ultimately, yeah. you know, why does a saxophone sounds so good is because the breath is coming out of the mm. the instrumentalist and being put into the instrument and then coming out and it just sounds amazing. And I think that's exactly. something guitar players often miss so much is because it's it's a mental instrument. You think about it and your fingers articulate it. Mm. They, they you
1: know, yeah, they press well, buttons was, and facilitate suppose, things. Yeah, I was going to say as a piano player, it's sort of like I think when I got up to my higher levels of piano, I had a, a piano teacher and he just went. Where are you going to breathe? You need to breathe as a, as a piano player. Okay, so let's start learning these, these phrase marks. Let's breathe in when we go with them and then breathe out when we get to the end. And then you automatically get the shaping. So it's interesting to say that sort of like as guitar players, we've also got that ability to do that by learning to
0: breathe. 100%. And, you know, the space is just as important as the notes that you mm-hmm. play. Uh, mm. well, I think we all go through that phase of learning that, but I distinctly remember, you know, at university, um, probably in the second year improvisation class, they gave us like an activity where we could only play while we were exhaling and we had to stop and rest while we were inhaling. And yeah, yeah well, that was a very powerful exercise, especially for me as a guitar player coming from a rock metal background where it just play as many notes as you can physically fit into the space. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a real game changer for me and something that I love doing with my you know, intermediate and advanced students every now and then is say, hey, mm-hmm. guys, let's just try breathing and playing at the same time and have, having that awareness of, you know, how much tension you can hold when you're just, you know, going for it and, and allowing yourself yeah. to b- breathe or break. But, yeah, there's just so much to be said for breathing and, and connecting the instrument. And, uh, again, guitar playing, everyone just gets in the habit of just filling the space and letting their, their hands mm-hmm. do all the thinking, whereas if you yeah. let your breath guide you, you end up yeah. with a lot more deliberate intentional often melodic phrases that you can play
1: yeah i guess that comes back to um so with what i'm doing with paul and jillian whole body learning we need to get the whole body involved in learning music so we can't just have just the fingers we've got to have the mind we've got to have the the gross motor we've got to have the fine motor we've got to have the breathing it's all got to work together to create a piece that is actually meaningful for for our students and getting
0: that happening <laughs> most definitely now you have mentioned creative uh you know learning uh, all the um full body learning things like that you do have a unique approach and something i've noticed with my guitar ninja ideas and i love it when you do it is you know i'll put out an idea for you and the other guys in the groups mm. but you often come back and, and tinker with it and say hey michael this gave me this idea and I come back and made it better or made it different. Like I think you're using those like fidget poppers or whatever they're called for Mm -hmm. finger placement or Uh, you've just recently done something cool with a ladder. Poppets, that's what they're called. Like, uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, so why don't you tell us about, you know, what sort of sparks that inspiration to go out and do things differently and and you use a lot of, um, I've seen you use Play-Doh and plasticine and all these different things beyond simply learning the instrument. Like, yeah, just tell everyone about what you're doing there.
1: So, so with um, whole body learning, it's about actually preparing the mind to actually play the notes. So, um, on one of my uh, piano ones, they were sort of trying to get kids to um, do Do Re Mi fa, Do Re Mi Fa song, so sort of like that, and they were using something on just different points on the on the floor and getting the kids to jump along there. And I was sort of like going, Hmm, okay. Go visit Kmart, and there was this agility ladder, and it's sort of like, oh, it's coloured. But I was actually looking for it because I went, I did an activity with my little little ninjas, and they needed to move. They physically needed to move. I was losing them, and so I actually got them to jump out the scale pattern, and it's sort of like, okay, little jump for for your little buddies or your semitones, or a big jump for your um uh. Tone. And then I saw like, saw this agility ladder and went, oh, if I get two of those, I can put them together and I've got a guitar on the floor. I can actually make sure that they actually physically can jump that pattern. Or, hang on, my girls, which I've, I've done, uh, so they need to actually understand that musical alphabet. Let's get them placing down cones. So it's actually about getting them away from the instrument, getting them to do all the thinking beforehand. But using manipulatives such as an agility ladder um, to do it, and so so that has been such a big hit because it's and brought movement back into the guitar lessons, which I was sort of it was a bit limiting for me, uh, and I could just see the kids going, "We we want to move," and um, so yeah, so I brought that in, and that's been great um, with the little ones and with some kids who really struggle with fine motor. Um, Bradley Sywash had a rhythm ball where, where it had basically holes which actually broke up the bar um, bars into half beats and you could just put little marbles in to actually explain to your students where you played your hands together or not. So it's a visual concept So oh, that's th- that rhythm, okay, I can do that. So I'd been looking, I was thinking, oh, I'll get my, my son to make up a wooden one, that'd be pretty cool. And then I was just in a store and saw one that the the six-by-six poppets, which already had the frets already there. I went, oh, this could work. And it's sort of like, you don't need four marbles and label, and label them one, two, three, four. Um, so it was a case of let's get them to visualise the actual, okay, my finger is actually moving from one string to another away from the guitar so they can actually go, oh, okay, one, three. Because some of my kids will do, do some funky things with their fingers, so it's sort of like getting the prep work before they actually start to play happening is more important and they to actually get them to able to to be able to actually play almost straight away you're doing a lot of the prep work away from the instrument so when they actually touch the instrument they have much more confidence and when you have confidence kids then that's when the sparks start to fly yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh i'm sure we'll we'll post some of these pictures of these things in the accompanying article cuz yeah and this is doing some really, really cool stuff and stuff I'm like, wow. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> idea, especially like simply, you know, the fact you've got cones with um the letters on them and people are just dropping them into that ladder as like a fretboard exercise. I actually you have to visualize the fretboard as this giant um. You know, ladder as you said a Julie ladder like there's some really really cool creative stuff going away through there or even the um the chord cards I think you sent us you created a bunch of cards
1: yeah 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 yeah. my little snap card so I'm just about to introduce those because I just had to fiddle around with them a little bit more but it's sort of like a lot of say from the piano side of things there's lots of people who do some memory games and stuff like that so again it's a visual concept of going okay where's note a it could be here, but then let's say let's do the chords. That that's a simple fact. F- and then we can level them up for our guitar ninjas. Um, so that's that was the exciting thing. I'm going oh, and then I can I can pull this idea from that source, and I think that being a multi instrumental teacher, I'm actually able to bring ideas from all the different areas. So being a violin student, so like I mean, I had to. I have to admit, I started teaching guitar like I would teach um, violin, and most of all the beginner books were pretty much like that. And oh my goodness, it doesn't work! I, I know it doesn't work. You don't, you get kids getting bored, and and um and that's probably one of the reasons why I I went looking and I went I need to have someone who actually understands what I'm looking for. I've I've had two guitar lessons in my whole life. One, When I first started teaching guitar, I went down to Perth and had a face-to-face lesson, and so so this is what I'm doing, this is what I want, this is what I'm looking for. And yes, he was so you need to move up the key like the fretboard, you need to do triads and stuff like that. Um and he sent me to so say you need to teach using the pointer system. I don't know if you know that one, but it was a book system. And so I got that looked at it and I went, "Oh, okay, this is pretty sort of like tune a day for guitar type thing." And it just wasn't working, and then I had a student want to play ACDC. dc I'm going ACDC, That's not my background. I know Paul Kelly. Okay, I'm, that's. I'm gonna have to do some serious listening. So when when you appeared at Piano Pivot, I'm just going, yep, yeah, okay. And my second lesson was with Michael, and oh my goodness! As soon as you got me moving up that fretboard, I just went yes. I understand where you're going from that. I know what you're doing. Ah, oh, this is amazing. I can do this, this, and this. Let's pull something else from, from from my background of knowledge. Chuck that in and let's see. Get the improvisation going. So what I'll do in my lessons, I might not necessarily just play guitar. I might just chuck a piano involved. So do the just a simple bass line. So you play along with that. Um but it yeah, I just think um yeah, just being creative, giving different sounds, using technology. Um, I just st- I signed up for practice space for practicing. So it's a gamified practice. I've got one student who's already, he's only had it for two days and he's already done like an hour's worth of practice. And, I, I, and mum's going, I might have to slow him down. I said, okay, I'm just going to put another activity. Let's do some composition with the notes that you know and put it over the backing track you've got. So he's already sent me a video. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Just get everybody on.
0: (laughs) Wow. And, uh, you know, what's the name of that resource? Say it one more time so the listeners can Um, check that one
1: out. Practice Space. I think Kim did a podcast on on that, on Topcast, and it is, um, yeah, it's very, very good, and I can actually type my lesson notes in it and put videos, if I need to put videos, especially for my piano students about what their pieces are or can link YouTube clips or, more to the point, link the 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 YouTube clips for the vamps that I want my guitar students to play along with their, say, E minor, natural minor scale. So they can play along with that and do and then go, okay, let's improvise on top of that. So for me, because I've got so many students, so I've got 50 one-to-one, um, students doing sort of either online or face to face, but then I've got about 20 um, jungle music or d- my developmental program. So I'm fine, I, find I f- was finding, especially with COVID, I needed something to just jump on, be able to type my notes in and just be done rather than writing it out and then typing and trying to link it all together. It just, I need to be more organized. Yeah. <laughs> and that was an option. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's just so many things out there to try. It's always challenging being always, but definitely uh, I'll have to check out that episode and, and look into practice space myself. Uh, but Vanessa, we are pretty much near the end of this conversation. If people do want to reach out to you, uh, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Okay, so I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook um, at Mrs. Mun's Music Studio. And I do have a website. Um, it's munsmusicstudio.com. So yeah. Um, email me there and um, yeah, love to hear from anybody who needs ideas.
0: <laughs> so reach out, vanessa you know, got some really, really cool resources that she, she does in her studio, some really unique stuff and she's very, very helpful and willing to share. So if you wanna ask her more about anything she discussed today, you can check that out. But Vanessa, before we wrap it up, what's one final piece of wisdom you could give to guitar players, guitar teachers or music teachers in general? As
1: a, as a guitar teacher, Believe in your students, um, give them the scope to learn. Um, it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. It, um, that was probably the biggest light bulb moment that I had as a teacher. It wasn't, their playing wasn't about me as a teacher. It wasn't a reflection of me. So what I give my students, I give them and believe in them, give them the abilities to believe in themselves to progress and celebrate every single milestone that they achieve, you'll get so much further with.
0: Some really, really great stuff there, Vanessa. Thanks so much for coming on the Top Music Guitar Podcast. Until next time, um, I've had a great conversation. I think we'll definitely get you back in a couple of months for a uh, round Fantastic. number two. But oh, thanks so much for coming on board, everyone at home. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys know someone who you know is an interesting character doing some great stuff in the world of guitar teaching and music education feel free to shoot through a recommendation either on our facebook page or just email me michael at TopMusic.co. or if you're a guitar teacher doing some wonderful stuff in the music teaching space get in touch we'd love to talk about you and the amazing stuff that you're doing and share it with the world so that we can all benefit so guys thanks for listening to another episode and we'll see you in the next one If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co slash guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.